Welcome to a special contingency No Deal Christmas and New Year edition of Romaniacs. We recorded this show in advance and we placed it under seal in case of emergency, but it seems that the conditions have been met. Troops are mobilised and even Aldi have run out of toilet paper, so we're going to break the glass and bring out the podcast. My name's Andrew Harrison. I produce the show every week. And for this special end of 2018, start of 2019 edition, we've asked some of our regular panellists to come in and give us their thoughts on the year gone by and the year to come. What were the high points and the low points of 2018? What's it been like doing Romaniacs in this chaotic year? And can they give us something to hope for in the year to come? Plus, our panellists are each going to choose an uplifting track to give all Romaniacs the boost that we will need in 2019. We're going to put the ones that are on Spotify into a playlist and share it on social media. So, the best and worst of the year and more. Let's start with our regular anchorman, the Ron Burgundy of Brexit. It's Dorian Linsky. It's been a very strange, exciting year and it's been nice to feel that doing something uh, useful in terms of both information and emotional catharsis. Is it making you feel better in yourself now that you're in the, uh, you're, you're finally able to at least try to master the information, if not the run of events? I feel more stressed out when I'm not doing it. That's funny. I feel more stressed out when I'm doing it. <laughs> no, when I'm, when I'm not doing it, I'm just like, well, where do all these, where do all these thoughts go apart from Twitter.com? Yeah. Um, so, yes, it's very therapeutic. What have been your high points of, uh, of the year? If it's, again, if it's possible to have a high point in a horrible year like that? I think the high point has been the, uh, the progress made by the People's Vote campaign, which, you know, uh, I mentioned at the time I did a feature for Guardian Weekend, um, which I think I started researching this time last year and, and then kind of was doing at the beginning of the year. And at that point, there wasn't a People's Vote campaign and it was all about how the Stop Brexit campaign was sort of coming together. And then just before, really, it was time to finish the feature, um, People's Vote launched. And of course, you know, I don't think it is the least worst option. All the options are bad. And the fact that they were able to pull all these groups together, decide on a strategy and actually make an enormous amount of progress in terms of getting support from um, a lot of politicians and also just, you know, celebrity backers. I think obviously our co-host Naomi has, has done a lot of good work on that front. But when you've even got someone like, you know, Ricky Gervais going on Twitter, yeah, I think maybe we should have a, a second referendum. You know, what do you think? It's become from being a kind of last ditch sort of pie in the sky idea, as some people saw it, to actually being by no means a nailed uncertainty, but something that, you know, there's a huge amount of momentum behind it. And it does show how people were, I think, looking over the kind of long term, how Remainers were able to kind of pick themselves up from the disappointment of 2016, come together, overcome differences, thrash out ideas, um, and, and actually really push a strategy to the point where the Labour frontbench and the government can't ignore it. They, they are always talking about it, even if they're trying to talk it down. What was your low point of the year? The low point, I think, has been just kind of the, the resurgence of populism in the rest of the European Union. Obviously, Orban goes from bad to worse. Um, the Italian situation is very worrying. The gilets jaunes thing is worrying. Not that I ever thought that Macron was some kind of centrist messiah, but he was a kind of, you know, he did look like he was going to be a very kind of, you know, strong force in the EU. Um, and there's some, I mean, it's a very confused movement that, but there's a lot of very unsavory people. I think there's sort of two Le Pen voters to every one Mélenchon voter. So it is more, it's more far right than it is anything else. And I think, you know, that, that even if we say we, we do end up remaining in the European Union, there are a lot of problems to fix there. And the kind of populism that produced the uh, the referendum result here 
is you know burning cars in paris is producing you know vile kind of like anti-immigrant and anti-vaxxer crank policies in italy and i think mm. that's something that you know when you raise your eyes up from the fight over brexit that's something that's going to be a problem for europe going yeah. forward it's back to brexit is the symptom not the cause again isn't it it's yeah. the symptom of a big thing that's everywhere give us a bit of something to uh, cling to for 2019 then what's your ray of hope well my main hope uh, I suppose thinking, I mean, obviously, the, the obvious hope is that we get a people's vote. But I think my hope, if we do, is that Remainers develop some message discipline. And my perhaps slightly contentious uh, argument is that the FBPE hashtag and just hashtags in people's Twitter profiles in general should be dropped. And that we should move from, it's been very useful, it's brought a lot of people together, but every political movement has a kind of solidarity building phase and then a persuasion phase. Mm. And I think we the solidarity building has it, it's it's you know, it's been it's been brilliant, but it's not really moving anywhere. And if we are gonna have to go out and persuade people, one thing that makes me turn off is like any hashtag, you know, the big row of flags, whatever the flags are, you know, this can be from Corbynites to the far right to Remainers. And I think that we should be uh not you know, not sort of pulling punches, but thinking a little bit more about how we're actually going to persuade people because that's going to be that's going to be the real challenge. I think we've we've I think we've done the kind of anger and solidarity thing very well, but that's not going to get us all the way. Do we need to change the name of the podcast and have a football flag and love my kids in our Twitter bio then to reach out? Is that a, is that a future for us? Well, I I mean I think Remainix of course is a lovable uh, and uh, widely beloved brand. <laughs> Um, but I think it's interesting that, that neither we nor Best for Britain have gone for the FBPE sort of hashtag. I think I, I think we haven't cluttered it all up with kind of flags and hashtags and, and stuff. And I, I do think that that is I do think that's off putting. And I think the, the larger political story of the moment is sort of polarization. And sometimes you can just scroll through Twitter and it's just like, oh, the GTTO people, the FBPE people. And I think if you're not aligned to those, but you might be sympathetic to their cause, it's a massive turnoff. Yeah. What track would you like to uh, add to our Cheer Up 2019 playlist for Romaniacs listeners? Well, this is a song that I keep thinking of mentally was a response to Brexit, but it was actually released in 2014. It's the Manic Street Preachers' Europa Gate der Kmik, uh, featuring the German actress Nina Hoss. And it's a sterling example of cross-European collaboration. Uh, and it's also it's just it's just very sort of fierce and mighty and sort of celebratory, but with a kind of serrated edge. And uh, it sort of it sort of pumps me up for the uh, for the coming year. Here we go. The Manic Street Preachers will pump you up. Taylor and I've been asked to think about what it's like to do Romaniacs this year and it's been it's been exhilarating really it's been extraordinary um really it's been a way of blowing off the tension that builds up over a week and the sheer stupidity of all the things that happen 
and being able to thrash it out and talk about it and laugh about it that's the most important thing um, with, with, with a group of friendly people it's been marvellous Do you think we could charge people to come in here and they could just sit on a couch and be part of the Romaniacs kind of <laughs> gigantic group hug that kind of thing Yeah, new Patreon strategy Yeah, Absolutely, yeah only for the very, very high level uh, tiers there So what t- give us let's start on, on the happy side what was your high point of 2018 in the, in the Brexit cinematic universe? Uh, it was the People's uh, Vote March in October. Uh, I've been on a couple of previous marches, those have been great, but this one was just so big. I think it was 720,000 people approximately turned up. And I was on my way on the tube with um, some friends and my family, and we heard that uh, Green Park Station had been closed because of overcrowding. And then we heard another station had been closed because of overcrowding. And in the end, we had to walk quite a long way just to get to the towards the starting point. And it was then I realised just how big this thing was. It was huge. You know, there are there are, you know, 60, 60 odd million people in the UK and almost one in 60 of those people actually turned out to march. And for me, that was extraordinary. And the it was impossible to get an idea of how many people were there because there were simply so many of us. We could only see ahead of us, you know, the, the, the first hundred thousand. Uh, an amazing feeling. I actually got more walking done getting to the march than during the march because the march was so log jammed that we just basically, in three hours, we shuffled from, uh, you know, Green Park to I think partway down Piccadilly. Yeah. And then we went to the pub having had our say. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think we could repeat that? Is it, I mean, obviously it's horrible winter months right now and the weather was lovely, but do you think there's going to be, you know, will there be further bites at that sherry? There might be. Um, I've heard an argument today from Jolly on Morgan for a, was it Morgan? Morgan I don't know. Uh, for a general strike should the government try to implement no deal. So I don't quite know what that would lead to, but we'll see. Interesting. Uh, what's your low point of the Brexit year? Um, When the meaningful vote was cancelled, I thought we were finally going to get a decision that would lead, that would move us onwards to the next stage in the hideous Brexit journey, and we didn't, and it was snatched away from us at the last minute by Theresa May out of, frankly, cowardice. And it was a pointless uh, thing to do, and it then set in train a week in which no deal became even more likely. It was a really poor moment and a really bad example of British parliamentary democracy failing us. But it wasn't just that it was uh, kind of badly organised, it was also kind of mendacious, you know, the strong suspicion that this is really about running down the, the clock and bringing us so close to a terrifying disaster that we'll accept the deal out of fear. Yes, and I didn't think she'd do that, and she, now I fear she is. Yeah, I, I mean, this has been the whole process has been very revelatory about the character of May, hasn't it? Because she kind of came to power with the idea that she was a dependable head girl who you could trust and, and had fundamental decency at, at at heart. And the kind of events of the year have shown that she's just as duplicitous as the people she's supposed to stand apart from. Well, I think she's engaging in a very dangerous uh, game of brink, uh, brinkmanship at the moment. So, give us uh, a ray of hope, a thing to look forward to for twenty nineteen. That is rather difficult, but I will go for it because I think there is a chance that if there is another people's vote, we could try to build up not quite love, but perhaps a smidgen of public affection for the EU and what it's done for us. Now, it's a flawed institution. There are huge things wrong with it. It's under great pressures. But ultimately, it's not just a single market. It is. It does exemplify bigger values than that. And even if you only think of it as a single market, it's still damn useful. Yeah. Um, and I would like us to be able to think about the EU as something 
that we positively want to, want to stay in rather than that we're staying in out of fear and desperation. Yeah, I mean, it's been very uh, hard to think of uh, anything in our time during the EU that has done so much to explain the benefits of the EU than leaving it or supposedly leaving it. So we're asking everybody to suggest a song that will give uh, our listeners the uh, the bolt of energy they'll require to get through what's going to be definitely a very strange year next year, 2019. What song are you suggesting, Ross? Well, I almost went for Taylor Swift um, and all you had to do was stay, but actually that's <laughs> quite a negative vibe because clearly, you know, he's buggered off. So I've uh, instead gone for Talking About a Revolution, uh, Tracy Chapman, which is obviously a classic um, revolutionary song in many ways, but it also it talks it talks about the need... It talks about poor people and what and their aspirations and their frustrations and these are the things now that we need to badly to acknowledge and address in the Remain movement. And that's why, along with the jolt of energy that it brings as a protest song, uh, I've chosen it. Ross, thanks very much. Let's have a listen. Don't you know talking about a revolution sounds Poor people are gonna rise up Get this, yeah. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. Don't you know you better run, 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 run. Hello, my name is Ian Dunt. Uh, I have been doing the show since the beginning. You know who I am. And what have you got about do, uh, from doing this show since the beginning? I mean, it's a, a matter of sort of personal devotion, isn't it? To come back to this masochistic environment. <laughs> yeah, over increasingly and over. twice a week, like mm-hmm. over and over. No, I mean, this is, I mean, this, this show is obviously like the most fun thing that I do in my professional life because it's actually people that I know and like. And also yeah. because you get to sort of, there's something about the time that you have and yeah. the non-binary opposition nature of the format that means that you actually get a bit further. So A, you have a bit more time to explore. B, when you're not having just a fight over and over yeah. with someone, especially someone who just fundamentally disagrees, you know, so the, the leave remain thing is quite fundamental. It's not about, you know, a discussion over tactics or whatever. You actually find yourself getting, I think, into greater degrees of complexity and a bit more nuance and sophistication than you would otherwise have found. Yeah. So those are the things. You're not just defending a position. You can actually just explore these things. That's true. I suppose also there's something, you know, the funny thing is like if you go do a sort of a TV or radio thing and you're the remainder, you do feel the responsibility to represent. (laughs) I I know that sounds preposterous from, especially like boarding, but it's just like, you if you screw up, you're not just screwing up for yourself. You're, mm. you're screwing up for the people who, who, who have those sympathies and who feel pretty embattled right now. Yeah. And so you, it, and that kind of works into this sort of ego that we don't really want to give way too much and, and, and all of that. It's more performative. Mm. Whereas when you, when you do a thing like this, and obviously that's not a requirement for a show like this, it's, it's a bit more genuine and there's, it's oddly more cerebral because you genuinely are thinking through the stuff and talking through the stuff rather than just sort of going in for what's essentially a sort of wordy boxing match. So we're recording this on twelfth Wednesday, the 12th of December. Uh, and just as we were coming in, the letters went in for the no confidence vote. We have no idea what's going to shape up over the next 24 hours. And you're listening to this at the end of December, start of January, dear listener. So <laughs> God knows how relevant it's going to be. But Ian, give us your high point, your encouraging aspect of the whole Brexit mess of this year. Um, I don't know how encouraging it was. I mean, basically, the, the point that I enjoyed the most was, was Johnson and Davis resigning. Mm. It didn't. It wasn't a good thing. It didn't improve the situation at all. In the end, it didn't really do too much harm either. 
But it, it wasn't because it worked, it made things go very well for us. It was just that it was really, really funny. Yeah. So and and it was and there was a sort of maniac. There was also a bit where Dorian and I were recording this thing, and then we'd recorded one <laughs> for half an hour, and then stopped and went off, and then someone else was on, so we had to go back and do it again. And there was a point where we were quite hysterical <laughs> in the sort of second part. And I remember thinking, this is actually very enjoyable indeed, just watching them fall apart because it was. It, do, you, do you remember like a while back we um when we hit one year? Yeah. We listened to the first year, uh, to, to, sorry, to the first episode Shout, we ever did, yeah. and we talked about it. And one of the things we were talking about was, isn't it funny how um, we kept on saying, oh, soon the truth will, you know, soon reality will hit, and, we're right now, and it just kept <laughs> on not happening. But the moment that it did happen was, I think, when she produced Checkers, which was a plan that, even though it was unrealistic, <clears throat> did grapple with reality. And as soon as she did it, they fucking detonated. Yeah. You know, like they just imploded, the guts fell out from under them and resignation started and the sort of the civil war of the, among the Brexiters finally took place. So in that sense, it was extremely entertaining, even though it didn't particularly do us any good. Do, I mean, do you think that marks a final departure, a revocable break of that block of politicians and objective reality, that it's no longer about evidence of any kind? Now it's all entirely about not just feeling, but also allegiance and commitment. Yeah, exactly. And and it cleaved the Brexit front in two. Yeah. For, for a while, we would talk about we need something that divides the Brexiters. We need something to divide, you know, the, basically the sort of centre-right guys who just think you've got to do it. And, you know, this thing there from the sort of true-believing, religious, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Nigel Farage types. And this was actually that moment. Because suddenly there was something that looks like pragmatism. In truth, her deal wasn't pragmatism. It was fucking bonkers. Mm -hmm. But it at least tried to grapple with reality. Yeah. And suddenly, once they were divided, they never really came together again. So those guys, that sort of that sort of half that were just on the outer edges of it, then finally were just involved in pure, you know, pure Merlin magician stuff. Like I mean, from then on, it was just undiluted fairy stories for them. So your high point of the year is the collapse of any kind of objective reality within <laughs> politics. <laughs> What's your low point, Ian? Jesus. I mean, it's pretty much everything, to be honest. Everything else. <laughs> Single uh, something out. So, I mean, I would say Theresa May's um, presentational endeavours taken together have been the low point. And again, I don't mean this in terms of what does it do for the campaign or anything. I mean in terms of how have I been feeling while it has been happening? Mm. And I really do feel like I age at twice the normal rate when she starts talking because there's just no... Yeah. There's just no engagement. There's no emotional engagement. There's no intellectual engagement. There's just no honesty at all in what she says. So this is the funny thing is, we, we, we were so, I think because I sort of, I was politically mature before Blair, but obviously by the time Blair came in, those were my teenage years and, yeah. and sort of, you know, and so I was used to this idea that the, the politician you suspect is lying is also really quite flashy and charismatic about it. And now, extraordinary to see it degenerate into the lying stays, but the all the charisma is gone. So yeah. you just get this, it's like sort of, it's like, a, it's like having a pebble arguing with you. It just, it just <laughs> it's so boring and it's like, yes. so relentlessly false and relentlessly illogical and relentlessly self-interested. It just, so by the, you know, to watch hours of this, you just think, I can't, how much more of this bullshit do I have to go through? Well, by the time the listeners are, uh, are listening to this, she may be in the distant past. True. And, mm. you know, Prime Minister Priti Patel may be uh, running things. Mm. You know, we have no idea. You know, could, anything could be happening. <laughs> why, do you have to, why do you have to say that? Man? I don't know. Right? Just, <laughs> my desperation for time travel to be invented continues on the basis. So speaking of time travel, I mean, I know we can't see even, I mean, we can't even see as far as tomorrow when we don't know whether the Prime Minister will survive a no-confidence vote. What are you pinning your hopes on for 2019? Is there a particular thing, a little, 
a little moment, a little fulcrum, perhaps, that you can pin your hopes on? It's the same thing that it's been throughout, which is basically just this idea that we are much more self-aware as liberals, and I mean that in a really broad sense with a very small L, Mm -hmm. of just people who believe in an open society. And that goes all the way from quite right-wing sort of fiscal conservatives to very, very left-wing sort of socialists and everyone in between saying, look, we have disputes over the economics. Absolutely, we do. And we battle those out day by day. We work that through. And probably the solution to those disputes, who knows, it might be somewhere in the middle. Uh (laughs) There's no no way of telling. Um, However, what unites us is this idea that we are instinctively about the rights and the freedoms of the individual to move around, to move countries, to change lifestyle if they want. And also in a more controversial way, and I think it's time to start talking about that as part of a liberal idea, of also, you know, actually, we may need to take those liberal instincts when we look at drug policy, when we look at criminal justice policy, that we don't just need to give in to this authoritarian way of doing things. And I hope that as this sort of thing shuffles on, that sense of self-awareness that people have that I don't think they had before when they were on the winning side, when all the politicians always sort of did lip service to a diverse society and, and, and multiculturalism. Now that we are the barbarians of the gate, now that we are the ones fighting it, this is the point where actually, yeah, we need to be self-aware about it. We need to expand the kind of range of things that we're talking about and see that when you look at a march to like 700,000 people going through London, that might not spark immediate political change. But any time you see a march that big, there is something important political that is going yeah. on. Um, the same thing with the Iraq war march. You might not be able to stop Iraq, but it still signifies that something fundamental yeah. is happening. The same when you even look at those rallies for Jeremy Corbyn, it still signifies that something important is going on. And that's the case here. So I want to see more of that sort of self-awareness around it, more of a sense of unity and, and a sort of a, a ceasefire between the bits of that movement that always try to attack one another and more of just this aggression of just thinking like, this is what happens when you let the reactionaries take over. It is a cock up of spectacular fucking proportions. So it's about time that the parents took control once again. Ooh, exciting. I'm roused now. I'm very excited. So we're asking everybody for the Brexit Island disc. What's the record what, for our playlist to cheer uh, the listeners for 2019 and give a little bit of, uh, put something in the tank, shall we say? Uh, it's Between the Rain uh, by Telemann. Um, I don't know anything about this band. Um, I don't really much like this album. Uh, it's classic sort of middle-aged white man indie music which is like this is how the missus always put it's just like well this is just this is just the most dreary predictable music for someone that's exactly like you to listen to and i accept that that is 100 percent the case however i put it on and it makes me feel happy and it does that thing um that i really like which is quite rare in sort of pop music of, of having really existentially despairing lyrics to a very, very upbeat chorus. And one of them, I think it's like nothing means anything or everything is meaningless or something like that with this really sort of fun time sort of background. And I'm a huge fan of that combination. Well, I think that's exactly what a bunch of embattled remainers need to hear right now. (laughs) Nothing means anything to an upbeat chorus. Ian Dunn, thank you very much for all of your hard work this year and last year and happy new year. And God knows what 2019 will bring. Here's Tellyman. Good times always start when you call me
Hello, I'm Naomi Smith, uh, also known as Pimlicat on Twitter. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at the uh, anti-Brexit group Best for Britain. And I've been doing uh, the Romaniacs podcast since the day after the snap general election in 2017. So basically, you work all day trying to stop Brexit. And then for light relief, you come into a small studio in Soho and you talk about Brexit. With yeah, a busman's holiday every yeah. Wednesday. I mean, how is it... Uh, you know, has the experience of doing Romaniacs alongside your day job been has it been helpful? Has it helped you to cope? It, it certainly has. So I've only been doing the job at Best for Britain since April this year. Mm-hmm. So for almost a year doing the podcast, I was in a much less uh, Brexit-related role. So mm-hmm. the podcast provided this amazing outlet for me for all of my frustrations around the direction that the country was headed in. And it provided this lovely safe space every Wednesday afternoon to crowd into a very hot, uh, yeah. small studio in Soho and um, uh, talk to people who feel the same way as I do. What was your, I know it's been a weird old year, what's been your high point of 2018 as relates to the world of Brexit? Um, Well, my high point was at the Labour Party conference when Keir Starmer stood up and said the Labour Party position, just to be clear, is to keep every avenue open, including the option to remain in the EU. And he got the most enormous and unprompted standing ovation from the party faithful, who, of course, as we know, are about as pro-Remain as you can get. And so that was that was such a high point to, to see the, the, the visual and audible impact of Labour members telling the Labour front bench in no uncertain terms <laughs> how thrilled they were at the prospect of Labour changing its position. And I'll be right in thinking that he kind of freestyled it a bit on that speech. Because it was kind of reported that a few things were dropped in that were not kind of approved by Lotto. Well, the night before, they'd had this funny session locked away um, that went on for hours and hours and hours to try and bash out what that Labour policy motion would be on Brexit. And they emerged with it. And then in the morning, John McDonnell dismissed what had actually been contained in that, which was that that Labour would keep the option to remain on the table. Mm. Um, And so... As far as I'm aware, Keir was just upholding what he knew had been agreed the night before and that had come out of that room. Mm. So he was reinforcing that. So whether Lotto uh, had approved it or not, it was certainly what the party faithful had signed up to the night before. Mm. Now we're recording this on Wednesday, the fateful Wednesday, the 12th of December, <laughs> when we all thought we were going to have a relatively manageable day and then the no confidence motion is going forward and being voted on tonight. And the listeners are hearing this in, in end of December, January. So there are a few hostages to fortune here, but what so far has been your low point Brexit-wise? In In 2018, the low point for me was almost a counter to my best point, um, which was when it felt like the Labour Party were going to row in and back the government on delivering Brexit. So if we wind back uh, about six months or so in those early days of the summer, that was probably the lowest point for me personally in terms of campaigning to stay Mm -hmm. in the EU when it just felt like such an uphill struggle. We had 11 Liberal Democrat MPs and one Green MP and a handful of uh, SNP politicians that that probably uh, backed our position and it just felt almost inevitable because for so long the campaign now has been about convincing the MPs rather than about convincing the country. Mm. Uh, So at that stage, I certainly felt very, very worried that Labour were just going to row in behind the government to deliver Brexit. Yeah. And then look where we are now. It could be anything. It's all up in the air. I mean, they say 
Brexit isn't even like dog years. It, it's like whatever is a very, you know, short-lived animal that packs a lot of yeah. years into one year. That's what Brexit's like. It's like Interstellar where Matthew McConaughey goes close to the black hole and yes. time just accelerates. Exactly. And it comes back to Earth and everybody's dead and there's I, nobody left but their own grandkids. We're, we're recording this on a Wednesday and, and on Tuesday, political Twitter just went crazy with saying it's only Tuesday yeah. <laughs> because at eight o'clock on the Monday, the number 10... Spinners were all saying, yes, the vote is going ahead tonight. And within a couple of hours, it hadn't. There's just been so much news already and it's only Wednesday. And this is this is a slightly atypical week in the world of Brexit, but it's not that untypical. I know. And yeah, Brexit time is just crazy. I think I'm suffering from news poisoning, actually. Mm. I think I, I need to have a full news detox. detox. Yeah. Detox, news talks. News talks, yeah. What's your hope for 2019? And you're not allowed to say people's vote because obviously that's your hope for 2019. Another one. What else is kind of, would you look for? Um, I think it, it, the, the whole concentrating on remaining and reforming um, in Europe and making take back control really, really mean something. So I think there's a huge amount um, for those who who tend towards centre left uh, politics and, and count themselves as progressives to do a lot more to enhance representative democracy, you know, starting to talk about how we redistribute wealth. Um, and the proceeds of globalisation, how we're going to plan for population growth, promoting greater democracy in the workplace. There are all these wide-ranging constitutional reforms that are being thrown up by Brexit as well. So, you know, I think I think there is now a, a real appetite for very, very, very serious change of the order that radical liberals, um, like those in the tradition that I come from, have long been espousing and been largely ignored. Yeah. Um, I think the time now has come for us to, to be able to champion those and actually get cut through. So not just political change, but actually constitutional change, bedrock Absolutely. stuff, operating yeah. system, Indeed. new operating Systems system. Change. Systems yeah. change. Reboots, yeah. move up to OS 21st century of some sort. That sounds like kind of crap Steve Hilton would come out with, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm wearing sandals right now. Uh, Naomi, what's your Brexit Island disc? What's your tune that you've chosen to, to, to give a bit of heart to the listeners for the year to come? Now, this isn't just because the teenage me remains completely in love with Damon Albarn. If you're listening, Damon, <laughs> come on the show. Um, it, it's because the lyrics are so powerful and it's um, it's the Universal by Blur. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar, the lyrics go on about how it really, really, really could happen. And right now, recording this in this, pod- in this podcast studio on a cold December uh, Wednesday afternoon with the wind at our sails towards a final say the number of politicians and celebrities and other influential people who have up till now said very little about Brexit and certainly about coming out for a people's vote are now beginning to join our ranks, swell them, and the wind is really in our sails for that. So I, I do believe that it really, really, really could happen. Fantastic. Noe, thanks very much. Happy Christmas and a happy new year. Thank you. How we like to sing along Though the words are wrong in Hi, this is uh, Alex Andreo. I've been a regular panelist uh, on uh, Romaniac's uh, podcast since the middle of this year, really. 
I was a guest before, and then a more frequent guest, and then a permanent fixture. And then suddenly we couldn't get rid of you. You were here the whole time. Yes. yes. That's migrants for you. There you go, absolutely. <laughs> you give them an inch, they take a mile. <laughs> so what, what have you got out of doing the podcast, apart from a, a, you know, a nice warm place to sit and a cup of tea? What have you enjoyed from doing it? This was especially next? appreciated this summer. <laughs> um, I think I, I feel a lot better informed I feel a lot better armed to um, not to argue with people but to understand their point of view actually because you know the arguments for staying have always been quite clear to me Um, but in terms of understanding other people's position I think I was much more entrenched than I am now actually through contact especially with guests I found my thinking on a lot of issues being challenged. That's interesting because I always think, as we're recording the show, oh, Alex really knows absolutely everything. The idea that you become more informed by doing our show <laughs> is quite it's quite encouraging. So tell me, what's been your... I know it's I'm hard very to, good at pretending I know everything. Well, it's, it's, it's a, half the game. It's a valuable skill in today's <laughs> modern world. Um, I wanted to ask you, I and mean, it's difficult to find one, but is there, a, is there a high point in this year, an encouraging thing, a thing that made you feel good about wherever we're going oh for sure the 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 day of the people's march mm-hmm. i thought was a an absolutely wonderful day it was such a good crowd such a warm crowd it was so nice to be among people um who not only agreed but were prepared to go out and fight mm-hmm. um for a cause they believed in um it felt like a warm hug and yeah. it was, I think, the politest, nicest gathering of, of uh, three quarters of a million people there's ever been. And, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't know if there's ever been like a massive Cliff Richard <laughs> concert or something. Mm. But that, that would be probably the only thing that, uh, that might... Uh... Well, the fact that certain parties and certain uh, groups within parties had three-line-whipped people not to go there certainly took the nastiness out of the event, didn't it? It wasn't trying to be linked to every single cause in the world. Do you think it... I mean, to me, it felt like a bit of a turning point as well in that this is not a fringe idea. This is not just a bunch of wonks with a political axe to grind. This is mainstream. Yes. This is what yes. millions yeah, of yeah, people yeah. really believe. It, it 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 was a, a key turning point, I think. And I think it was a key turning point, actually, for the national debate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the march was hardly acknowledged by the people on the Brexit side, I think from that day onward, the people's vote has been on the agenda in a completely different way to uh, what was the case before. Yeah. I mean, we're recording this on 12th of December and people are hearing it at the end of December. So God knows. Hello in the future. God knows what... Ex- it, it, yes. how's, how's Prime so Minister Rhys record- working out for we're you? We're recording it on the day, just to give you a time frame, we're recording it on the day that the 48 letters have gone in mm. and Theresa May's uh, premiership has been leadership of the Conservative Party, I should say, because the premiership constitutionally is quite a different matter. Uh, but her leadership of the Conservative Party has been challenged, but before the vote has been taken this evening yes. to see whether she survives or not. 
Also, so right? if you if yeah. you detect a hesitation in my voice <laughs> when it comes to predictions for the next year, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, this is you have to think of this podcast as that episode of Doctor Who where he's trapped inside a DVD player and he's tapping yes. on the thing and he recorded it. Like, yes. Don't blink, don't blink. Also, we have to be clear at the time of recording, the leadership of the Premiership was, of course, Liverpool FC. <laughs> and we hope we'll remain there. And when you're listening to this, we hope that they're there as well. So let's 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 get the downers going. It, what was it, your... I mean, but it is it is an extraordinary moment, I think in the history of the, of this nation the, the idea that just as the morris minor is hurtling over the white cliffs of dover with all of us at the back terrified what you have at the front is a group of tory mp's going no let me drive no mm. let me let me have the wheel no me yes that's what's going on right now. Well, the listeners will know right now by uh, but you know how it's working out. But I wanted to get the downers moving as well. What's the as of now, as of twelfth of December? What's been your low point Brexit related of the year? Being called a queue jumper, I think for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that was especially disgraceful. It was especially disgraceful. It came at an especially bad time as well. Um, you know when you when you feel felt really kicked around and really insecure about what's going on. Um, and to have it out of the mouth of the prime minister of this country yeah. um, in a formal context, not I misspoke. You know, mm. this, this is something that was a, a written speech that was vetted and probably group tested. Mm. Um, and so this was no accident. It was no coincidence. It was quite deliberate. And it felt incredibly hurt, hurtful to a group of people that, you know, I keep saying and will keep saying were actually disenfranchised for the vote that yeah. will decide our future um, for no good reason. You know, th- there was both the practical ability for us to vote because we are on the electoral register. We vote in local elections and European elections. So our names are in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a perfect precedent for, for us to vote in the Scottish referendum, which was decided on residency and whether you you have been resident in Scotland for a particular period of time. So there was neither a legal nor a practical reason to exclude us from the vote. Um, as I understand it from speaking to a lot of MPs, the turning point was uh, uh, David Cameron and Liddington promising that the referendum would only be an advisory one, which is why a lot of MPs decided not to fight very hard on the detail of what particular franchise it was and what the question would be. And, you know, if had it been said before that legislation was put through that this would be seen as a binding referendum, I think Parliament would have scrutinised the franchise and the question for many, many more months than they ended up doing. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the impression was given and was put in the legislation that this was basically uh, a taking of the temperature of the nation. Um, and then uh, two or three days after the, the uh, legislation went through, Cameron came out and said, we will, we give you a solemn promise, we will abide by the result of the referendum which made it a politically binding one. So, um, yeah, huge oh. jumper. That's quite revealing as well because it shows uh, her mental image of the of the world 
is simply of everybody streaming towards Britain, you know, trying to get in here, you know, sort of, uh, and that there is some sort of a, a notional cue. And and also the I think the the conservative view of society in general uh, as a zero sum game in which the sharpest elbows will get to the top, mm-hmm. um, and the rest just weren't good enough. What's your hope for next year, as of twelfth of December? What are you, what are you, what are you pinning your ideas on? Um, Canada Plus, I think, mm-hmm. in that uh, I hope to sell my flat plus emigrate to Canada. Okay, <laughs> this is Alex's own Canada Plus. Well, we hope that it doesn't come to the that. alternative is Dublin plus plus. I should say. Okay, well, a little bit closer. Yeah. Well, we hope it doesn't come to that. We hope you don't do that, um, and we hope that you know this is a weird podcast because it's the only podcast in the world that hopes it can stop as soon as possible. But yes. hopes it doesn't have to exist anymore. Yes, that's true. We've asked uh, all the panel to come up with a song for a playlist for, to give people a bit of heart for next year. What, what have you chosen? Um, I've chosen uh, Nana Muscuri and Michelle Legrand singing um, I Will Wait Forever from Le Parapluie de Cherbourg. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I have chosen chosen it is A, to up the camp quota of the <laughs> songs because I know everyone else is a punk rocker. So this will be utterly painful for anyone listening. Um, so I wanted to give you something nice and melodic. But also because here we have... Uh, a French composer singing with a Greek singer on her show on primetime BBC in 1973, the year uh, the United Kingdom entered the European Economic Community um, at a time when Europe was not a dirty word, it seems. Okay, well, here we go. Alex, thank you for your Brexit Island disc and... Happy New Year. I think it will be a happy new year. We're going to make it a happy new year. It will be for me in Canada. I'm Ingrid Oliver, and I am very much the layperson of Romaniacs, uh, someone who has uh, been avidly watching Brexit from afar with horror, and no expert, but with a real thirst for knowledge. Uh, Being part of Romaniacs this year has been quite something. I would not describe myself as somebody who was particularly political before 2016, Um, but since Brexit, I've been increasingly horrified at what's happening to our country so being part of Romaniacs has been an outlet. Have you felt your kind of your knowledge levels have been raised up because one of the weirdest things about the show is that we're all doing this every week and even we don't really have a handle on it even we can't predict the future. No and do you know what people friends now that now that I'm on Romaniacs people always ask me what's going on with Brexit and I've even though I, I read everything I feel like I've read everything there is to read out there, apart from the actual withdrawal agreements, too. Um, That I, it's almost impossible to put into words. There's so many caveats and and permutations um, that you end up feeling 
like you don't know anything about it at all, which is the very, which is probably the very nature of Brexit itself. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a quest this year to sort of try and understand as much as I can because I think it's incumbent on all of us to do that. But you do realise that this Christmas, Theresa May's friends have been saying, "So Theresa, what's going on with Brexit?" And she's got, I, "I really don't know. I, I haven't got a clue." Know. It's, but that's the thing. I think there are experts within areas of it, but nobody can be an expert on all of it. It's just, it's impossible. It's too, it's too far-reaching. Um, so all we can do is try and understand the basics and the fundamentals as much as possible. It's Danny Dyer's mad riddle. It is Danny Dyer's mad riddle. God love that man. Yeah. So what, what, what have been your, your high points of the Brexit year? In, if there can be such a thing as a high point in such a mad year. Do you know, I think the high point for me was um, the Romaniacs live show that we did in December mm. because I'd never done a live show before with Romaniacs and I was lovely looking out into an audience of hundreds of people uh, with their pro-EU t-shirts and and their pints of beer <laughs> all having a lovely time, but just sort of genuinely curious and engaged and it felt like a catharsis. Yeah. Um and they were really nice people. And yeah. they and they afterwards in the pub, they sort of said, people explaining how much Romaniacs means to them. And you realise that actually we're doing a service yeah. almost. Do you think that in the future they'll be making a film like Cabaret, where, you know, just before it all went terribly wrong, there was a little tiny podcast. Called Romaniacs. <laughs> James Graham's going to write yeah. Romaniacs the movie for HBO. It'll be a very short movie. Very small, <laughs> small movie with a very tiny set. <laughs> Can I play myself then? Because that would be another acting role, yeah. which would be great. Thanks. No, but it was those shows were pretty fantastic, and it's nice to just know that there are other people out there like you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, very much like the People's March, but on a much smaller level. Um, um, but it was just, and it was festive. There was a Christmas. You you, you made a Christmas tree. Yeah, which I, was lovely. It was already a tiny Christmas tree. Yeah, but I found some. I found a blue Christmas tree, and I found some yellow stars. I know and that's was, as good as I could get. See, if anything, Brexit is making us more creative. Well, and that's something to be embraced. We're going to need to be, yeah. frankly. How are you on making Walton pie and snook and things like that out of wood shavings? I don't don't even joke about it, Angie. <laughs> I'll, I'll burst into tears. Never mind. Come on. <laughs> so come on. Uh, you know, what, keeping it on the up, obviously. Yeah, what yeah, are, yeah. Give us your low points of the Brexit year. Give Do us you your... know what? One of the real low points was I was thinking about this, and there have been a few. So picking one was hard, but there was. Um, so I directed uh, and co-wrote this video. Uh, for Best for Britain, mm-hmm. uh, which we've mentioned before, yeah. um, you know, about people uh, sc- uh, people screaming to camera that they just uh, are trying to encourage people to write to their MPs. And uh, I posted it on Facebook. I'm rarely on Facebook these days because I, I got so annoyed after the 2017 election when someone accused me of... Because of, of, I voted for Lib Dem, the Lib Dems, because they were the only party who were anti-Brexit, uh, accused me of, of robbing Labour of a vote, and I got so angry. It was someone that I've known for a long time. We still aren't speaking to each other. Wow. Um, and then on, I, So I haven't been on Facebook for a long time because of that. And then I posted this video because I wanted people to share it, and a neighbour, who I've known for years, under it wrote, I mean, a, a stream of obscenities, um, about me and about it and I had to block him and I just thought my god have we is this what we've become we've descended it's Brexit is such a divisive issue that we've descended to sort of I mean vitriol and, and abuse yeah amongst people we know uh and that's really sad so civility has completely disappeared it seems from from our political discourse the sort of concern is that actually the rage and the resentment has become the main event now it's yeah. not angry because of brexit or angry because of this it's anger yeah as the drug rampant populism and it's yeah it's scary 
Yeah. <laughs> but oh, anyway, oh, oh. hey, let's yeah, shine yeah, a ray yeah, of light yeah, from yeah. here. Cool. You what, did ask. I did ask. Yeah, that was a bad one. Uh, yeah, it was. What's your what's your um, what's your ray of hope for 2019? What do we think? Give us something to cling to here. My ray of hope is that uh, we are we shun this sort of. The, this, the, the way that this country is going, which is the extremes on both sides, on, on the left and the right. And we just remember that we're a sensible country and that we go, oh, God, it's like waking up from a dream, uh, a terrible dream, that somehow we'll find a way to unify around a solution yeah. that will stop businesses from leaving this country in their droves um, and that won't make people who voted leave hate people who voted remain and vice versa. And, um, and I'm not sure what that will be. But that's yeah. where we have to go. Because I do believe in the fundamental... I do believe that people are fundamentally good. And I do believe that we're fundamentally sensible as a country. I refuse to believe that we're going to, we're going to go for no deal. Um, so, yeah. Everyone just be nice to each other. That's probably a pretty good idea, I would have thought. Yeah. <laughs> Ingrid, give us your give us your track for the uh, for the for the for the cheer you up playlist that right. we've got coming up. Well, I've chosen this song because I love this song. Um, mm. It's uh, a French song, Naturellement, um, by Jean Louis Aubert called uh, Demain sera parfait. Mm-hmm. French was not my strong subject at school, um, which means translated tomorrow will be perfect. And it's uh. a really lovely, upbeat song. I'm going to read the first, can I read the first chorus yeah. in English translation? I want to sing. I want to make you forget your tormented soul. I want to sing and try to persuade you that tomorrow will be perfect. Strong sentiments, words to live by. And all coming from a bloke who looks like the French Pete Doherty looking from his video, as far as I can see. Do, yeah, do watch the video because it's like, a, there's like an apocalypse. And then he's singing that song to people that are apocalypse survivors. So if no deal happens, then that might be a very appropriate song. Relatable content. Ingrid, thank you very much. What's it called again? Uh, Demain sera parfait. There you go. Let's have a listen. <laughs> Finally, it's my turn. I'm Andrew Harrison and I'm the producer. Um, doing Romaniacs has weirdly been like the most successful thing in some respects that I've ever done. I've edited quite big magazines, but you know we get more listeners per week than, than, than most of them have, have ever done. And it's remarkable, given it was something that we just started on spec, hoping for the best, thinking that maybe we can find a few hundred people who can kind of commiserate with us. And actually, it's tens of thousands and people are backing us with their own money. And, 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 and it's amazing. Um, I never thought it could, it could get this far. Um, and it may me realize that it's not just me i think a lot of people on the show have said it's not just me it's not just you know the few people in this room there's a lot of us who feel like that so my high point i think as uh, ingrid mentioned earlier in the show my high point has been the remain next live shows because you actually get people in the room and you realize that there is a shared sensibility we've got a shared sense of humor we've got a shared level of knowledge but also a shared understanding of what we don't know um you know, it's not just you in you know stuck with your screen in your little cubicle. There are thousands of people out there who think exactly the same thing. And my my favourite bit of the live shows was at the very first one in February. I got to do the Nick Fury speech from Avengers. I got to say there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more, to see if they could work together when we needed them to fight the battles we never could. And that's Romaniacs to me. That they they are my Romaniacs. Um, the low points. 
these came thick and fast and there were loads of them but they all kind of coalesced around the idea that of you know repeated proof that you can't actually fight stupidity and dishonesty you can't you, you can't uh, beat it with argument. You have to go around it or subvert it. I mean, then the examples of Legion. Nadine Dorry saying that, um, you know, because we wouldn't have any MEPs after Brexit, that meant we were right to leave the EU in this absurd kind of Ouroboros circular logic that uh, doesn't even make sense in its own terms. Or... Uh, you know, more recently, Sarah Khan, a, a, an apprentice candidate and a woman who seems to have no qualifications for anything apart from a desire for attention, telling Femi from OFOC that he's wrong about Brexit because he uses big words and she can't understand them and he's elitist and that therefore that proves a hard Brexit is the right thing to do. And I just thought the total absence of not just of any logic, but also of any self-reflection, the just absolute, you know, unfounded self-belief behind that really frightens me because when people are not susceptible to logic or to reason or to argument where do you go with them what do you do you can go around them but what if there's too many of them you know and things like seeing Aaron Banks and Andy Wigmore in front of the DCMS just turning the whole thing into a joke I mean you know basic honesty and listening to the other side and presuming that the other side are also honest these are core British values I was you know brought up with these values that you know you presume honesty on the part of others and we're now trampling on those values in a kind of the name of a corrupted idea of Britishness we're throwing them out of the window where we're the, the first thing we presume is that the person who disagrees with us is a liar and I realise that sounds a bit weird on this show because so many times this year we've cited people who disagree with us on the show who are demonstrable liars there's got to be honest Brexiters out there I just can't really see very many of them so the kind of the debasement of the currency of debate and the currency of conversation. That, to me, has been the low point, um, and particularly to see cynical people like Morgan Johnson and even Theresa May pander to it. The idea that I always think back to uh, the moment in um, the John McCain versus Obama presidential campaign of 2008, I think it was, and a member of the audience gets up and says to John McCain in, at a big rally, gets up and says, we can't have Obama as president. He's not American. He's a Muslim. He was born abroad. And John McCain, who badly wanted to be president, said, no, no, that's just not true. Don't believe that. It's not true. He's a good man. I disagree with him on a lot. But he's an American and he believes in America. I'm still waiting for that moment in Britain. I'm still waiting for somebody on the Leave side to stand up and go, you know what, Remainers, I don't agree with them, but they're honest people. And the hard thing is from our end, you know, there are precious few on the other side who you can stand up and go, I think that person's got the interest of this country at heart. I think they're an honest person with whom we just disagree. I think we are in a very, very bad place in that respect. But, so, all right, that's a massive downer, isn't it? Let's not end the show on a total, uh, you know, jump out the window. Now, what is the ray of hope? Well, for me, the ray of hope for next year is that the mask is off. The mask is completely off and it's on the floor now. The, the, the Brexit jihadis, the ones who have brought us to this terrible pitch, they'll never again be able to pretend that they've just purely got the national interest at heart because we've seen in recent weeks willing to sacrifice the you know well-being and workability of the NHS, willing to sacrifice countless small businesses, willing to put the country on effectively a war footing, willing to see people go hungry and starve, all in pursuit of this crazed idea, all in pursuit of this religious enthusiasm for Brexit. 
And people will, re will remember that, and particularly young people will remember that. So whatever happens, whatever we're doing this time next year, I mean, if we're broadcasting Romaniacs from, uh, you know, a kind of uh, pirate radio Caroline uh, floating boat somewhere in the middle of the, uh, in the North Sea, mate, the smashy and nicey Brexit, you know, we will know that next year, the deceptions that we've experienced this year won't be able to persist in the same way. So that's that's my high point. I think we now we know where we stand now and we know who's on the other side. So my song is a song called Let's Seize the Time and it's by Jimmy Cliff of The Harder They Come fame, the great, you know, Jamaican gangster movie, The Harder They Come. Jimmy Cliff of Johnny Two Bad and all that all that fame. This is not his best known song. It's not even his best song. I stumbled upon it by mistake as I was going through an old box set of re-releases. And it's a kind of, it's a rolling blues tune and it's a really powerful one. And it's, it was recorded in the early 1970s and it harks, it's like the last echoes of the civil rights era. Not that I'm equating remaining in the EU with the civil rights era. It's a very different kettle of fish, very different things on the go. But the emotion is, uh, is, is the same and it's a powerful one. Um, you know, the line, the one that stands out to me is, if the power of the people is worth a dime, let's do our thing now. Let's seize the time. And I've been listening to this all year and I think it's an amazing song and a, a great one to end this Christmas, New Year, start of New Year show. Um, so I just want to say thank you to all our panellists in the course of the year. Thanks to Naomi. Thanks to Nina, who couldn't make it for the show. To Ian, Roz, Ingrid, Dorian and Alex. Thanks to our producers, Sophie, Alex and Elsie and everybody at Soho Radio. Um, and above all, thanks to all our listeners and to our Patreon backers for making the Romaniacs thing happen at all, making it possible and making us understand that we are not on our own. So it's been a weird year. Next year's going to be weirder, but our fate is in our hands. This is Let's Seize the Time by Jimmy Cliff. If the power of the people is worth a dime, let's do our thing now. Let's seize the time. Happy New Year. <laughs> Seize the time now. Let's seize the time. Let's make the system. 